Whose idea was that? God's or yours? What if? What if there was a way that you and I think that we're drawing closer to Jesus, but in reality we're moving farther and farther away and pushing those who need him most farther and farther away? What if there was a way that you and I have only traded the chains of our sin for the chains of a bunch of religious rules? And what if the scariest, most dangerous part about this is that this looks like, from the outside, faithfulness? What if this looked like faithfulness and yet was the very thing that Jesus got so hot and bothered and constantly and vehemently opposed during his earthly ministry? Wouldn't you want to know if that was killing your heart? So that's what we're going to look at this morning. Um, Look, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ and you're here with us this morning, you are so, so welcome. Um, But this is going to be for you too. Because what we're going to do is debunk a lot of the crazy nonsense that you have been led to believe is all part and parcel of being a Jesus follower. So uh, there's lots for everybody. Uh, Everybody's got a chance to be offended and everybody's got a chance to be encouraged this morning. Um, If you have your Bibles, please open them to Colossians chapter 2. We are in a study of Colossians called Jesus is Enough. We're halfway through after this week. We're going to hit the pause button. Next week, we're going into a three-week mini-series uh, called Generous, which uh, is about uh, having a heavenly sugar daddy who loves you. In, uh, in, and, and you're going to love it. So uh, that's what we're going to do. But we're in Colossians chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, there's like a hardcover one under one of the seats in front of you. You want to use that. Turn to page 1130, 1131. If you have your free uh, version Bible app on your smartphone or your tablet, boot that up and quiet it down because there's a, a live event there for you. We have virtually the whole message loaded on there. So here we go. Uh, Colossians chapter 2. So that you know I'm not making all this up, um, we will read this passage and then we're going to unpack it. So let's pick it up in verse 16. Here we go. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come. But the substance, okay, the real deal is who? Jesus, Jesus Christ, right. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head. That's Jesus, okay? From whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. So here's a bunch of things that people are saying are important, and Paul is saying, ah, no, no, no. Now, don't let all this stuff throw you. Um, We're going to get to it. Clinging to Jesus is what it's about. Verse 20. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why in the world, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations, rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Referring to things that all perish as they are used. According to... Human precepts, human teachings, right? These have indeed an appearance 
of wisdom. They look good, right? In promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body. But they are of, say that with me, no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. They're useless. Okay, so what is happening here? That's a long passage, but we're going we're gonna to unpack it a little bit. What is happening here in the Colossian church is there are people from with inside the church that the scripture says that Paul writes that are trying to um, that are trying to pass judgment on others in verse 16 to disqualify them it says it in verse 18 say that they're not these people are not good enough for Jesus why because the people that they are judging the people that they're um, disqualifying don't adhere to a long and growing list of human-made rules, strict code of hyper-morality and religious regulation. Now, as these people, these people who are the problem, are seeing themselves as like super-power Christians, like the gold label, gold standard of of Christianity. And Paul is saying, "Uh uh-uh. Oh, no, you didn't. No, no, no. This is exactly the opposite. The people who are judging you, the people who are trying to disqualify you, the people who are laying these burdens of rules and regulations that God had had no intention to make a main thing in your life. These people are lost. They're lost in legalism. They're lost in in how to follow Jesus. And, And... we see this not only in the Colossian church of the first century. We see this in our own church. We see this in Christianity. We see this in this room. I see this in my heart and my mind. And it exists here. And before you guys look around at who I might be talking about, one of the key things about legalism is nobody who's a legalist thinks that they are right? Everybody knows there's legalism out there, but it's somebody else and not me. Well, I had very little trouble coming up with examples for this um, message because I look in my own heart and my own life as well as the scriptures and it's there. It's there. So none of us is safe. And I encourage you to to, to go with me and, and look at this because it's so important because it unplugs the, the freedom and the joy that, that Christ died and rose again to give you, to give you. And it scares away the very people that God cares about most by preaching a false gospel because we're living a false gospel. Now, let me rewind to um, a couple of weeks ago. The last time we were together... Um, We talked about captivity, right? We talked about Jesus coming and freeing us from the cuffs and the chains and everything that holds you down, everything that holds you back, right? Jesus came to set the captives, and that's us, free. Free. Now, legalists understand this here. They just don't think that freedom is such a great idea, right? Legalists may not say it this way, but see freedom as 
particularly dangerous, right? They are freedom phobic, if you will. If, if we let people free, um, this will lead to other things. And pretty soon we'll have children running and, and shouting for joy in the church. And so what we do is we impose regulations and rules. We have to control this. We have to control this. God has standards. God has house rules, family rules, but they're not strict enough because people need to be controlled. I need to be controlled. And pretty soon, you're just exchanging the chains of sin for the chains of religious ritual and rules. And here's the irony, okay? This sin is not only tolerated, but applauded in certain circles of the Christian faith. And what Paul is saying is, what Jesus has for you is so much better. So much better. And for those of you who were just checking out Jesus, he is so much better than you've been led to believe by looking at his people, me included. So that's what we're going to do. So what, um, what we see here in verse 21, if you could just bring that up, right? This is the essence. Verse 21, look, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Do you see the pattern? Don't, 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 don't. Rules, 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 rules. Right? That's what it is. How many people would say who are not, you know, wouldn't describe themselves as followers of Jesus Christ would say, that's what Christianity is about, Right? Do this, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. That's, that's what it's saying. And Jesus is saying something entirely, entirely different. In fact, if you are familiar with the New Testament at all, you know that the people who opposed him the most were not the rule breakers. They were the rule keepers. Now, I'm not giving you license to go off and be wild rebels. I just want you to be free. I just want you to be free. That's what God wants to. Okay, so what we have here is a list with apologies to, um, um, who's the guy? Uh, you, might be, uh, you might be a redneck. Huh? Jeff Foxworthy. Right. I have a list of eight things that you might be a legalist if. Okay, so that's what we're going to run through. We're going to ask you to try to see yourself in these things because there's great hope. There's great hope. There's never condemnation. It's just identifying things that we need to bring to Jesus so he can set us free from them, right? So um, I made a list because legalists love lists and and maybe they'll listen. So here we go. Um, Number one, God bless you. Number one, you might be a legalist if you value rules over relationship. You might be a legalist if you value rules over relationship. Now, Christianity, following Jesus, bottom line, is about relationship. It's about a real personal relationship with Jesus as as Lord, as Savior, as lover of our soul, as constant companion, as hope, as rock, as everything, right? It's about relationship, and we follow him in relationship. Christianity, Following Jesus is not a list of rules that we follow. We follow a person, not a list. But the legalist will value rules over relationship. Now, rules 
minus relationship equals what? Rebellion. You've heard that before. It's so true. And one only needs to look at the relationship between parents and students in middle school, high school. To find that rules minus relationship equals rebellion. That's true with God too. But the legalist will value rules over relationship. Julian Chavidjan, and I'm sure I'm murdering that name, but it has no vowels. And so it's hard. Um, He is Billy Graham's grandson. He wrote this. It's so good. Legalism says God will love us if we change. The gospel says God will change us because he loves us. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? I'd do it again. Legalism says God will love us if we change. The gospel says God will change us because he loves us. Legalists just have it backwards. Right living never leads to relationship. Right living never leads to relationship. Relationship always leads to right living. Because in relationship, Christ changes us. Right? changes us. So, number one, you might be a legalist if you value rules over relationship. Value, uh, number two, you might be a legalist if you are addicted to the list. You are addicted to the list. What is the list? Um, we will, it's the list of things that you need to do or don't do, right? It is your performance. For the legalist, your performance is always more important than what Christ has done on your behalf. For you, for me. That your, how you're doing in the list is always more important. So you make this list, then you judge other people by how good they're doing at keeping that list, right? Um, and then what eventually happens is you're nice to the people who don't sin in different ways than you do, right? You feel close to those because they have the same list. And those who don't have the same list, you look down on, right? You can get smug about, right? I have these people in my own life. You know, it's convicted of this. And you'll see some of that. So what might be on this list? What might be on this list? Okay, just some, um, some, some easy ones, right? Going to the movies, Don't go to the movies. Don't watch TV. That's on the list. Um, If you don't homeschool, you're on the list, right? Um, Now, don't get offended. Everybody's list is different, but these are some common ones. Not being a conservative Republican. That's on a lot of lists, all right? Not listening only to K-Love or Christian music, but listening to the top 20 rap or heavy metal music, right? That's getting a tattoo, Getting piercings, men with long hair, women who like jewelry. Um, now, uh, how about going to a school dance, right? Right? Because slow dancing will automatically and instantly cause you to lose your virginity, as you know. As you know. Now, now, now like twerking and grinding might eventually or quickly lead to that, but going to a school dance with your crush. And... That's not going to do it. How, how about smoking? Smoking is a big one, right? Now, knowing what we know today about smoking and tobacco use, just from a health perspective, you'd be better off not doing it, right? But listen, that is not the line in the sand that God draws. Why is it the line in the sand that you draw? I guarantee you, if there was somebody with a, needing a nicotine fix on our front porch, right, of the church, I would get bombarded. But what are you going to do about this? Try to resist the urge as a, as a former smoker to go join him, 
Okay, that's what I'm going to do about it. And welcome him in, or her, right? Now, I just want you to know, I'm not saying that's healthy. I'm just saying, let's realize, like C.S. Lewis, you like C.S. Lewis? Smoke like a chimney, okay? Spurgeon, one of the, the prince of preachers. He stunk like smoke all the time. Now, I'm not saying go ahead and do it. I'm just saying, is that really? Is that, is that where you're going to draw the line in the sand? Because you're kicking out a whole lot of people, a whole lot godlier than you and me. And even though we know more now, we know less now too about what really matters. Okay, let's, let's, let's go into uh, a place where I'm going to get um, some emails. Alcohol, okay? Alcohol. Now, um, I am, my goal here is not to change your mind, whatever it is you think about this. I have some dear friends who are here in this room um, who are fighting alcoholism. And for you, um, you are fighting a great battle against for what is for you a great enemy. And we want to pray for you and support you and love on you and never make that harder for you. I will tell you this, though, to a person. I have never heard any one of them say, no, that should be wrong for everyone. No, this is my battle. This is my battle. Now, if you have in your heart said, not for me. I just don't believe in that. I don't want to do that. God bless you. Here's where legalism creeps in. It's where you say, not for me and not for anyone who is a real, true follower of Jesus Christ. Whose idea was that? Yours? Some conservative preacher or God's? Because I ran smack dab into this when I first took this job. Look, more, it's coming up on eight years. And the elders at the time, all wonderful men, um, none of whom are here anymore, okay, um, said to me, they called me and they said, Tom, we have a problem. I said, okay, what, what, what's the problem? Well, we saw your car parked in front of wet grocer. And I said, well, the reason for that is they don't let you drive your car into the store. Okay, 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 okay. They didn't laugh. Because another market a legalist is not a really great sense of humor. So they said, no, having your car there is a, is a problem. I said, because it's out in front of wet grocer? Why? Do they have better prices at High Mountain? They didn't laugh again. Um, they said, no, Tom, the problem is that you are a pastor. And that someone who knows that's your car or sees you get out of your car and go into what grocery, they might get the idea that it's okay for a Christian to drink. And I said, yeah. They said, Yes, they might get the idea that, that that's okay. And I said, well, they might get that idea from Jesus because he was hammered by the Pharisees for that very same thing. He eats and drinks with sinners, right? Now, I am not talking about binge drinking. I am not talking about getting drunk, but... 
having a beer if you are of age after work with your guys or a glass of Merlot with your dinner is not the line in the sand that Jesus draws. Why is it the line in the sand that you draw? If you or your family say, not for me, God bless you. The problem gets when we say, not for anyone who wants to be holy. So we're always going to look at the outside, right? Okay, list. This could go on forever, but we, I'll just read through a couple other things, right? Raising your hands in worship. Not raising your hands in worship, right? Goes both ways. Goes both ways. Singing hymns rather than contemporary worship songs on Sunday. Singing contemporary worship songs rather than hymns on Sunday. Goes both ways. Not eating organic. That's important. Like if you eat organic, I'm telling you. God bless you if you do. Just don't make me eat that stuff. Okay. Buying a lottery ticket. Now, I'm not talking about selling your kids to buy lottery tickets, but buying a scratch game, that is not the line in the sand. Uh, and you're going to left. Feeding your infant with formula rather than nursing. A big deal to some people. Okay? Big deal. Wearing jeans or shorts to church. Um, a couple of years ago, um, we had a guy here who's a retired pastor, and I'm sure he meant well. But I got a long letter that took me most of breakfast to read about how I was misleading people because I had jeans and an untucked shirt. I would wear a tutu if it would help unbelievers come to faith in Jesus Christ. No. We live in a casual town. Men wear ties generally on two occasions. When they get married and when they're in a coffin. Now, I I look good in a tie, but I'm not going to wear one if it keeps people who are creeped out by church from coming closer to the God who loves them. I hate this shirt. I'm wearing this shirt for you. That's not true. I love this shirt. I'm I'm just lightening it up. All right. Look, we don't care what you wear here. We don't. Just wear something. Cover up the essentials. Jesus always needs to be the star of the show. Bottom line, that's it. Okay. Ladies wearing makeup. Ladies wearing too much makeup. Men wearing makeup. Men, moms working outside the home, right? Okay. Certain Christian communities, you would be drummed out. People in biracial relationships, playing cards, going to Las Vegas, wearing a two-piece bathing suit. For the record, I have never worn a two-piece. Never. I am towing the line on that one. Spanking your kids, not spanking your kids. Associating with people that the church considers undesirable. For the record, we at Bethany don't consider anyone undesirable. In fact, we want the people that nobody wants. So if you meet them, tell them they're wanted. Drag them here. We'll treat them like royalty, right? Now... Do we do everything right? Absolutely not. Am I convicted by some of this? Absolutely. How do you think I made the list? But um, legalists have their hot button issues. Those things that they are all about, right? The problem is, even if they're good things, 
the only thing that Paul is saying, the only thing worth being all about is Jesus, is holding on to Jesus. We see that in verse 17. He says the substance belongs to Christ, not the, not the shadow. Verse 19a, not holding fast to the head, to Christ. That's the problem. The, the thing that you and I, regardless of how we were brought up, need to be all about is clinging to Jesus, about clinging to the unmovable, unchangeable gospel, that Jesus loved you so much that he came for you on the rescue mission, that he lived for you, that he died on the cross in your place for your salvation as your substitute for you, that he rose for you so that you and I, just as we are, might come to him and might come to him in need and receive new life and deep freedom and allow him to lavish upon us forgiveness and life and love and joy and freedom and mercy and grace and lead us into ever increasing freedom. And that includes from the law which he died to fulfill. Does that mean we play fast and loose with it? No. That just means we don't make the law what we're all about. Okay. Um, people who people who are all about something other than Jesus love the shadow more than the substance. Okay. You might be a legalist. Some of these are going to go really quick. You're going, I did the math. He's just done with two. Um, the roast is burning. I'm going to get out of here. It's going to be dark. Um, okay. You might be a legalist if number three, you major in on the minors and minor on the majors. These all built on one another, right? So um, uh, you will find that legalists often have a life verse, right? That is um, a minor emphasis in scripture, but they can make this mean everything. Or they will um, latch onto one of the favorite legalist um, justification verses, which are all very valid in the, in the Bible, which is uh, one, flee temptation. Number two, avoid anything that might um, lead someone else to stumble. Or number three, avoid every even appearance of evil, right? Now, those are scriptural. Those are a big deal. But what often happens to people. What often happens to us if we're serious about pleasing God, right? Is that we see those things and we see those things that God emphasizes, not just in one verse, but throughout scripture that are important to him, right? And we think we're going to help God out because he's got this electric fence, but um, to keep us from what will really drive us into captivity. But what is best for us, what is best for God people is to put up a lot of other fences inside that. Until this is how we live, right? It's how we live. We major in the minors and minor majors. Um, We talked about that. Number four, legalists will judge your outsides and ignore their insides. They will judge you on your outside behavior and ignore their inside, their hearts, which are growing Little by little, more and more hard. Um, there was a guy who used to, well, first of all, isn't that exactly what uh, Jesus said about the Pharisees, right? You clean the outside of the cup, the inside of the cup, where it really matters is it's filthy, it's awful. 
So um, there was a guy who um, used to go here. Um, a lot of people used to go here. <laughs> and now you go, oh, I see why. Um, <laughs> this guy's a jerk. <laughs> No, look, look, you know, some, some, some weeks we're, we're um, yeah, we're just pounding a little harder. Um, there was a guy who used to go here, and with all sincere intention, I mean, he was, he was a Christian his whole life, and here whenever the doors were open. And he would say, Tom, I, I know that you're always encouraging us to, to tell people about Jesus, and, and I really want to. And there's a woman, that, a young lady that I work with, and I just, you know, I, I think she really needs Jesus, but for the life of me, I can't tell her about him. I said, well, let's, let's, let's walk through this together. Why? Why? Well, here's the thing, because she has this crazy colored hair, and it's like a, a, a colors not found in nature. And every single day, you're never sure what kind of new color hair she's going to walk in with. And I can't support that. I can't do that. So I can't tell her about Jesus. True story. Really. Really. Get over yourself. Get over yourself. Do you really think... You really, you're going to make hair color the line in the sand. Really? You really think God cares about her hair more than he cares about her heart being free? Knowing how deeply loved she is in a world where too many people show their displeasure and disgust because that's not conservative, right? Um... Do you not think God cares more about your heart being bound up in things on people's outsides that keeps them far from Christ rather than your insides being unable to reach out to people in hemorrhaging mercy and compassion that can't be contained especially people who sin or live in ways different than you and I. Because we tend to have incredible grace with those who struggle in our areas of struggle. It's the people who struggle in ways that we think we've got them aced, that we don't have any patience for. God bless you. We are all sick with different symptoms of the same disease. And the answer is, is to go to the healer and be healed and be free. Okay, so they will judge you. If you're judging people's outsides and ignoring your insides, you might be a legalist. Um, legalist, number five, will make following Jesus sound complicated. They will make following Jesus sound complicated rather than simple. They will make um, spiritual truth complicated. In essence, following Jesus has to be simple enough for kids. He's always... He's will, always willing to say, hey, check out the kids. They get it. They get me, right? Right? Everybody. Don't make spiritual truth complicated. It's not, it's not complicated. It's just awesome. Okay? That's it. You might be a legalist if seven, six, you make it hard to come to Jesus and easy to get away. If you make it seem hard to come to Jesus and easy to get away, that's the opposite of the gospel, which makes it easy to come to Jesus and hard because he won't let you go to get away. You're preaching a false gospel. Right? 
Jesus came to lower the bar for relationship with God, for entering into God's family. Don't you dare raise that bar where you're sabotaging Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate come as you are savior. Yes, but he doesn't leave it there. No, he doesn't. But you can come as you are. He raises the bar when? Only after you come to him. Only after he, he, he enters into you. Only after he teaches you. Only after if he, he matures you and he grows you up and he lives that life in you and through you and for you. Don't you dare raise the bar to get people into relationship, into God's family. You might be a legalist if seven, you see others as those people. You, you know what I'm talking about, those people. They might be the people who um, do all those things on your list, right? And if you are one of those people, you know they see you as those people, right? And you feel less than, and sometimes you actually believe it, and you think God sees you as less than. And that's a lie. Their pants are on fire. They're lying about God. Okay? Last one. You might be a legalist if you put moral standards above loving people. You might be a legalist if you put moral standards above loving people, even if they're biblical standards. Even if they're biblical standards, you see? Um, Even if they're one of God's family rules, they are always to be couched in and bathed with love. That's what it has to be. Because that's his biggest family rule is love, right? Don't hear me saying this. Do not hear me saying there aren't moral biblical standards that Jesus calls us into. There absolutely are. There absolutely are. But they are Jesus standards and not anybody else's and not yours. And he will always do it in love. You've seen this. Some of the most religious legalistic people can be some of the most unloving. They are generous with truth, but stingy with grace, love, and mercy. Even though they know that 1 Corinthians 13 verses 1 through 3 says this, you can get all your theology right, you can get all your religion right, you can live in everything that you think is right according to the Bible, you get love wrong and you're nothing. Period, end of story. So we don't want to get love wrong. It's got to be about love. It's got to be about that. Don't hear me saying there aren't standards. So how does this end? Verse 23, and then we'll let you go home. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom. They look like faithfulness. They look like obedience. In promoting self-made religion, you made this faith, right? That's not God-made relationship. And asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Bottom line, without heart change, throwing out your TV is just giving you more time to search for porn on your computer. It's true. Without heart change, all the things that you're adding to the top don't change a thing. Don't change a thing. For the legalist, morality serves the same purpose that immorality does to the rebel. It's a way of living to get God off your back. And so the older brother and the younger prodigal have everything in common with one another, although they live it out in opposite ways. And both 
need to come home to the Father and be loved and rest and trust and be healed and forgiven. So wherever you are, wherever you are, legalist or licensed, right? Living this life or whatever goes, come home. Because the legalism, if you're there, is not helping you. It's hardening your heart. It's driving people who most need Jesus farther away from him. It's preaching a false gospel. Here's the good news. Jesus loves, came for, and saves legalists. Praise God for that, or I'd be toast. So right now, some of us need to come to Jesus for the first time because you finally realize that he is better than his people have made him out to be. That you can come as you are and be changed by love. And some of us need to repent of the legalism that is killing us. That is what I'm going to be doing as I pray at the altar. And you are free to join me if you want to be free. But you don't have to come up to do it if you don't want And you can't judge people based on whether they came up or not because you don't know. It touches everything. Jesus wants us free. Don't settle for beautiful religious chains either. I love you. Let's pray.